0: In the past when we've faced difficult times as we are currently experiencing it has been an opportunity for reinvention as difficult as it has and can be such moments push people and institutions to finally act on ideas and plans that have been long delayed for photographers whether professional or enthusiast these moments push us in new directions and create unexpected opportunities. That's been the case with today's guest, Julia Dean, who is the founder of the Los Angeles Center of Photography. After a career as a successful photojournalist, Julia began what was then called the Julia Dean School of Photography. Over the last few decades, LACP has become a thriving photographic community that offers classes and workshops, but most importantly, It creates a community in which photographers of all stripes have grown and thrived. Recent events have led Julia and her team to reinvent LICP, including offering online courses as well as in-person events and workshops, opening up LICP to an audience well outside the Los Angeles area. As with any new effort, there are challenges. But as you'll hear, Julia's passion for photography and for people is why LACP has become such a success and why I believe it will continue to be so in the future. This is X, and welcome back to the Candid Frame. But how are you doing otherwise? I know it's a challenging time for you.
1: It is a challenging time for everybody, but we're hanging in there. We have quite a team between our board of directors and all our friends and donors and students and staff. We've had a lot of people who have really wanted to help us, including you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing what you've built over these many years, especially in in Los Angeles. Los Angeles is really... always lacked a sort of a central hub for our photo community. There's New York, San Francisco, you know, and other places I've always seemed to have it, but I've, I've always felt that one of the best things that you offered outside of the classes was just a place for like people who love photography and want a community to come together. So I'm, I've always been supportive of the work you do and that's why I'm just really, Want to be a cheerleader for you as you guys go through this, this transition. Cause I think despite the obvious challenges, I think that there are so many people who are outside the Los Angeles area that could really stand to, to benefit from not just the classes, but the community that you've built. Let's, let's talk a little about how you're dealing with the restrictions that the pandemic has put on and how you're seeing the reinvention of LACP.
1: Yes, well, we've had to um, move quickly, <laughs> like uh, like everybody else. Uh, in mid-March, when all the doors were shut down for everyone, our revenue stream completely shut down as well. And as you might know, we just moved into this really beautiful center in uh, December that is, uh, you know, it's costly uh, on a monthly basis, and it's just beautiful and everybody was so excited about it we we had uh, five events before we had to shut the doors and they were just all packed and everybody was so excited about the new center and this new beautiful place and so we hope to you know be back to classes in the fall we've moved everything online in a very amazingly quick manner uh, thanks to our staff, Kevin and Janice and Brandon and Jason and Sarah, an amazing staff and everybody just kind of worked around the clock to do what we needed to apply for a lot of grants and a lot of federal aid. We had board of directors helping with that with that too. We've sent out lots of like help us, you know, send money in, uh, you know, tried to get donations. We've, we've done everything we can and we've gotten some, some help from a lot of people and also some federal we just got a federal aid last week so that's gonna just help us tremendously so we feel very optimistic which is a completely different than a month ago (laughs) when this all happened and it was so scary and we were all very nervous and very scared and but we didn't have much time to stay scared or nervous or depressed because we had a lot to do so that that was a good thing because it kept our minds off of what, what could happen, you know, after 21 years of building this place, this beautiful community that we all have. But we just feel very optimistic now. We're just doing everything we can. The, the aid that we just got really helped a lot. Our, our board of directors are outstanding and to help us. And our staff is just working so hard to make everything happen. So we're looking at if, if indeed we, we can come back to the classroom in the fall. I doubt we're going to be able to ever have a big event for a while. But if we can come back to the classrooms in the fall, uh, then we'll not only have classrooms, but we'll also have online programs because we've been wanting to do online learning for years. It's just that we've had such a small staff and we've just never had the man or woman power to get it done. And now we really didn't this time either, but we had to. You know, we just, we Mm -hmm. had to make it happen. So come fall, uh, we'll have both Brandon came up with a whole series of webinars, which is really neat. And so I, I think that it kind of pushed us to do some new f- cool things, and then we'll be able to come back to the classroom as well, hopefully, uh, in September. Normally, our season starts in July, but we pushed the season back to not starting until September with hopes that mm-hmm. more time would be, you know possible to get back in the classroom.
0: Yeah, from what I've seen from other downturns, not only the one in 2008, but previously, is that, yes, it's scary, but it seems that the the people who have been able to move through it have not just sat there and lamented the fact that things crashed, that business disappeared, is that they looked at it as a time to do something different. To change things up and that it provided the means, maybe not the means, but the time to really think about things that they may have been considering, but they really couldn't make a priority. And now it's just like, well, now we've got to change things Mm up. You know, and I, and I think that, um, one of the things that impresses me is despite how small a group you are is how much you managed to get done even before this, this happened,
1: you know, that that's true. I I appreciate that observation because it is kind of amazing, but you know, one of the reasons, uh, I mean, there's been uh, me and Brandon for uh, 13 years, sometimes all by ourselves. And then sometimes we'd have a part-time or maybe if we were lucky, we had two part-time people. Well, right now, right before this happened, we had six staffers. Now they're two full-time me and Brandon. And then the other four are a variety of part-time but we just feel like we're in heaven because there's six employees to help us, and then this whole board of directors and, and to also help us. Because when you're just doing it by yourself, it's just it's real hard. It's really hard. it was really hard on us for many years, and and it was never easy. It's never been easy, and and there were times that I thought I was when it was the Julia Dean Photo Workshops. There were times that I thought I was going to have to like beg everybody to send some money and to keep us going. And um, amazingly, I never had to do that. Mm-hmm. And now. now I have to do it, you know, so I'm, I've got, I've got, you know, asking everybody to help us. And, and so many people are, everybody who can is helping us. And, uh, and, and, and sometimes people send in 10 bucks and you know that that $10 was really hard for them to give up. And sometimes people have more. And uh, so it's what, what keeps us going is one, this community that we love so much Two, we can't imagine uh, not existing. I mean, I'm hoping this Los Angeles Center of Photography lives on forever. And we just really want the, the community, to, we, we, want, we want the LACP to thrive like it has even more once we open the doors again.
0: Yeah. Why is it so important to you personally? You used the word we just now, but to you personally, why is it so important?
1: Well, it's funny because some people know this about me, but many don't. I was a college teacher for 16 years before I started the Julia Dean Photo Workshops 21 years ago, and... Back then, all those years of being a college teacher, I always brought all my students over to my house on a weekly basis. And we'd look at photographs and drink a beer. They did. I don't like beer, but I'd drink a glass of wine. And we had so much fun because it was all about photography and friendship and community. So I've been doing that since, you know, day one of teaching. And that was 38 years ago. So the, what's happened is, I, I, I love pulling people together and I love watching friendships happen under mm-hmm. the, the, the roof that I happen to be in. And I, I, I just love watching that. And it's just that my roof has gotten bigger. So there's just more friends, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is really wonderful. I, I shouldn't say my roof. It's our roof. It's uh, uh, But the roof that I am under has gotten uh, a lot bigger than, uh, than it has been in the past. You know, our first place was 900 square feet um, right on ben- Venice Beach. Uh, and now we've got 6,900 square feet. So it's quite a difference.
0: People talk about networking a lot in, in photography. I think largely people are professionals. But I have met so many fascinating people when I've managed to get out to like the, the openings and, and the mixtures. I don't get out to them often enough. But every time that I, I have, I've just met some really fascinating people. And I get to discover work and people people on the journey which is really fun. I mean, I get to interview a lot of people as a result of the show, but it's always fascinating to see people who are in the midst of that, that spike. You know, if you look at it as a bell curve, I think there's a time when people are kind of getting into it and they're very slow, and then they have this big spike, right? Where they're learning all those things, they're putting into practice, and they're developing, and you see these moments of epiphanies and breakthroughs and that's always been part of the fun about being a teacher, but also being part of a community, mm-hmm. you know, right? because you know, we have, you know, Safi Sabayak, we have Ellen Friedlander, we have, we have so many people, some of whom have been on the show, and I've gotten to witness that with so many people who I've met through LACP. And I think that's really special, and I think it's something that people are really hungry for, because people can learn the photographic stuff, how to... Make a print, take a picture, all that stuff, virtually anywhere. But it's rare to find a space where that pursuit is nurtured. And I think you've been really good at being able to create that and why I think it's so, so important that it persists. But for you personally, because I know you're you're actively out there making photographs. You, you're not just like a you know bureaucrat behind the desk all the time. You 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 know live in downtown Los Angeles. You're making pictures, and I'm wondering how your role here at LACP how that's been essential to your development, your growth as a photographer.
1: Well, in the beginning, I was working so many hours the first ten years that it kind of took away from my photography because I I I had made the choice to leave my socially concerned documentary photography career behind to start this school. And it was a decision that I made, and I knew that I would have to kind of give up the kind of work that I love doing uh, for the time being. And then I discovered, oh, I, I took started to taking people on travel workshops so I could actually get out of town and take pictures. Mm-hmm. And then I woke up one day and went, why am I not taking pictures on the streets of L.A., for goodness sakes? I live in this amazing city. And so 10 years ago, um, I started taking pictures of the uh, streets of L.A., mostly downtown, but Hollywood Boulevard, Venice Beach as well. And it's really become my, my real passion. So I think how LACP, in answer to your question, how LACP, has, has kind of helped me decide what kind of photography I, I, I do. I don't know for sure, but I, I started teaching street photography classes once I started shooting on the street. And it's just, it's kept me so busy uh, with, with, I have a personal project. Every time I have a day off, which isn't that often, but at least once a week, I'll, I'll go out on a Sunday or a Saturday and I shoot once a week. And I don't think if I were not teaching street photography classes... I might not do that on my own, and I'm not actually getting together with uh, my students and my advanced uh, street photography friends right now because of the pandemic, but we always get together, and then we all go off on our own and shoot, and then we get back together for lunch, and it's it's just really fun. And I think so LACP and me kind of guided or found um, my calling in photography while I'm in LA, you know, while I'm in place and so forth. And I love it. I just, it's funny because I love traveling, but I'm so happy to be on the streets of LA, not as much right now because of the pandemic, but, but I i love it that I don't even necessarily need to go anywhere to shoot somewhere else because I like shooting downtown so much.
0: Well, let's talk about the work. Cause you moved downtown about two years ago. No,
1: I've been there since 2011 uh, we, yeah, so it's been nine years I've I lived downtown. And I, I moved there because uh, Jay and I moved to downtown because I had been uh, shooting on the streets since 2010, just, you know, barely a year. And I didn't like the commute from the west side to downtown. And LACP had moved from the west side to... Uh, Hollywood so i came home one day and said to jay how do you feel about uh moving downtown and he's a new yorker and and he said yes in about one nanosecond uh so so uh, we we moved downtown into a loft kind of a cool loft and and it really helped because I have my camera with me 24-7, so oftentimes I get pictures just not because I went out to shoot, but because I was on my way to work and to get into my car or I was going around the corner to Starbucks or something, you know, so so that's why I like being downtown. It's kind of sad right now, uh, being downtown, because, you know, I looked out this morning at 6 o'clock in the morning, the light's so beautiful, of course, and everything. I look out, and the only thing you see are homeless people, because, uh, of the time that we're in right now nobody's on the streets except for the homeless people even during the day it's the same thing and yeah. then if it's cloudy then it feels really depressing downtown so you know it's um it's it's <clears throat> i am shooting on the streets so once a week and i because i really want to document this time that we're going through but it's a challenge because it, how do you shoot on a, a barren street and make it look like you know covid Time versus just a Sunday morning on Christmas Day, or you know, right. you, you, you mm-hmm. just a, right, so nobody's out because everybody's sleeping at home. So, so uh, that's been a challenge. And of course, the masks tell a lot. And you know, there's a, there's ways to do it, but it's hard to do good street photography when there's nobody on the street. I have to tell you. So, so I, I've I've enjoyed the challenge.
0: Yeah, because I see people going out there and going out and photographing these empty streets. But it's like you just said. It's like what makes it. What's the telltale sign that it's now? Right, exactly. That it's because there's that there and it's really, really, really tough. I haven't made the effort to to do that just because I couldn't figure out the the you know solution to to that. So I've just been just photographing really close to home, photographing a lot of stuff in my house with that's my good. own family. And that's been and that's been sort of satisfying, even though sometimes I get the itch. To just like hit the streets and go. I don't care how many people are out there or not out there. I just want to walk and just get lost.
1: You, you should have seen the you should have seen the flower district last week. The day before Mother's Day, you, you wouldn't know that there's oh. a pandemic. It was crazy. It was scary. They're like there's so many people all so close together and and they're all buying Mother's Day flowers.
0: Oh, and you are out there with protection. I assume your
1: mask. Yeah, and a your lot of. Pro- yeah, I, I have a lot of. Like, I take a lot of gloves so that I can change them a lot. You know, and I have mm-hmm. the mask and I stay the distance from everybody. And yeah,
0: you've been you've been following what particular guy who lives downtown? Yes, uh, Ho- um, his, his name is Jose. That.
1: Yes, well, the um, uh, I, I I just package, I just put it together. Uh, it's ready to be sent off for hope. Uh, hopefully, for a publication but i've been photographing him for 6 years as a matter of fact he lives uh, in an in a colorful interesting alley that's all gated up and locked in at night surrounded by businesses that all have graffiti all over the all over them. So it's a very colorful alley. I met him because I was on the streets downtown and the alley was so colorful. I walked down it. It drew me down the alley and I met Jose. And so over the years, every time I go to the that, that part of town, I always go in to see him. I always usually have a couple students with me and he, he lets us take his picture and, it, it, and and he just does his thing. And we wander around and follow him around. And so I've been shooting him for all these years. And then about six months ago or so, he and I talked about why don't we be, get do a more serious story and tell p- people more about how his life is in this alley. Mm-hmm. So he basically invited me in, and I jumped, and I and so I've been going there a couple times a week, and now I have I have about a hundred really good pictures, and I've put them down to about thirty, and I've sent them off to my friend Los, uh, uh, Al Shaben, who works for the LA Times. Uh, yeah, he was one of my yeah. he was one of my former students at the University of Nebraska but i asked him if he would let me know which ones he thought i should send to um calvin at the la times cuz calvin has invited me to send them to him so now i'm waiting to hear from al so i know which ones to send cuz i like to have somebody mm-hmm. help me decide um so uh the the story is is about you know a man who is homeless but it's different than what you normally think because it's a community he has this recycling business he has friends that he looks out for he, he you know cooks in the alley and he, and he, people come and go. And he, and he basically, the name of the story is guardian of the alley because the owners mm-hmm. of the alley need somebody to always be looking out for things. Cause there's a lot of things that can be stolen. So, so they like having him there and it's become like a better homeless situation than most for him. You can tell people really respect and like him. So he's got kind of a good deal going, you know, other than being homeless, of course, because he's got a lot of friends so right now, I'm, I, I feel like I, what I want to tell the world is I want to tell the world about how this community of homeless people live and interact with each other and what they do and, and why they're where they are. Uh, I just want to educate people. So it's kind of an awareness educational thing. Plus, right. Jose, who's illegal, he's an illegal immigrant, he wants to go home. And he knows he can't come back. And I would love it if I could help that happen in some way. I don't know how. I don't know if you, you know, writing an article and somebody sees pictures that can help you get him there. But I told him I'd drive him there. But I have to find out what happens with an illegal uh, Mexican when you walk, when you go across the border. So I've got uh, two lawyers on that for me to to let me know what what that's all about. So Mm. see if I can take him.
0: I would like to think that the time I've been relegated to my house has been well used. It certainly has provided me the time to schedule interviews and do the research needed for each episode. But I've also gotten around to doing some things that I've been planning for a long time. For our Patreon supporters, I've begun a monthly meetup. Though we've only met twice, it's taking shape into a wonderful space. revolves around our mutual desire to be creative it's not a workshop but a place to share our mutual insights desires and challenges and hope and i hope that it grows into a valuable resource for listeners of the show i've also just created a discord account where patreon supporters can dialogue amongst themselves and discuss photography and all things creative I hope that it becomes a way for each of you to become connected to each other and feel less isolated on your personal photographic journeys. As I become more familiar with Discord, I will open some channels to general listeners, but for now it's only available to Patreon supporters. And if you want to join this growing community and help support the work we do at The Candid Frame, you can do it today by becoming a Patreon supporter. You can do that by contributing as little as $5 a month by visiting patreon.com forward slash The Candid Frame. If you haven't done so already, please consider joining us today. Thanks. one of the things that people often ask well, do you make money from street photography and for people who are dedicated to street photography it's not about the money i mean there if you want them to get rich you will do something you'll do that's something for sure. else, right but part of the journey i think at least for me is that at some point the individual photograph that produced that's producing a street photograph is just not enough and that it just becomes, uh, for me, it's becoming a need to tell more stories. And I think that, you know, your your project here really sort of speaks speaks to that, that at some point, all those skills that you've developed in terms of being able to assess a scene, to react quickly, to make those all those millions of choices that you have to make in order to make a photograph, at some point you have to go beyond just making a nice looking photograph all the time. And, right. And I think your your is this particular project is a really sort of good example of that. Be- because you're working ongoing with so many other photographers that take your street photography class, do you see that that's part of a progression that's happening with, with some of them? I know it's probably not happening with all of them, but with some of them, do you see that they're sort of expanding into that sort of more narrative area of uh, using a camera?
1: Well, I think a few of them have. Some of the people that are taking in the street photography, uh, some people that are enrolled in the street photography program are, I don't even call them students because they're so advanced in their shooting. They've been doing it for a long time that I call them my street photography friends. They're, they're, it's, we call it Los Angeles Street Collective. It's a it's a mm-hmm. collective. And some of these people have taking, taken this, my classes, like 10 times. So, this, so that's how many times they've been on, you know, 10 semesters of being on the street. So they get, you know, really pretty good now from some of them just do it because they like the camaraderie and the exercise and they think it's challenging, which it certainly is. But the ones who who are really serious photographers want to take it a little bit farther and do something else like Sophie who does her her nightlife stuff and and Thule, who does just amazing family uh, photographs of her family i mean it's is she should be sh- It should be worldwide seen. It's so good, right? Mm -hmm. And, and so these are documentary projects that just come out of what they love doing. And it's, but it's a more, it's a more serious step. And I don't think, I'm not saying it's more serious than street photography. I'm just saying a documentary project is generally something that you really have to commit to, which does make it a little Mm -hmm. bit more serious, you know. So I've spent six years photographing. Jose, I spoke to an old friend today who's known me since we were 20 years old, and she goes, How long have you been shooting? And she says, Six years. And she says, Why haven't you done anything with this work yet? And I said, I'm ready to now. I I haven't been Mm -hmm. until now. Uh, But I think that that's another thing is having a project. I mean, I'll I'll still keep going to see Jose because he's my friend and I'll take pictures, but there does come a time when this you can finish the story you know you can or you can yeah. tell the story even though the story isn't over yet you know his life is still going on so you just kind of have to figure out wh- where where is the end of the story of course a great ending would be him getting to go back to mexico if that's what he really wants to do but
0: yeah. so. well i think that one of the uh, what i like about the collective and several of, of the ongoing classes that you have, like, uh, Elaine's classes where she mm-hmm. teaches people how to take bodies of work and edit Absolutely. them and then prepare them and learn how to talk about them. And I think that that's something that's often missing from a lot of photo education that's out there. Cause you can go to a nice workshop like in Paris or, you know, spend four or five days and, you know, in some, some city in the, in the States. And it's great to produce the work. Right. And then not have to think about anything else, just photography for that period of time. But then you come back home and then it's like, well, what next? Yes, I've got all these images on my hard drives. I got some pictures that I'm really pleased with. But at that point, you're just waiting for the next opportunity to do something like that. And I'd like you to sort of speak to those, sort of some of those, those ongoing courses that go over, uh, go over a span of weeks. um, Yes, yes. Or even longer. Because I think that's one of the unique things that you offer—that you offer there at LACP.
1: Yes, we ha- we have a ten-month a class taught by one of our most popular teachers, uh, Aline Smithson. And it is all about, uh, it's called the personal project. It's about working on your own personal work. But what she teaches during the whole class is how to get that work together, how to write your statement, you know, how to get this body of work ready to show. And then she talks mm-hmm. to you about where to show it or where to pu- get it published or where to get it exhibited so she's and and that's what people ha- haven't had most of their photographic life they don't know where to get their work out and one of the great things about LACP is that there's so many amazing teachers who teach here who have so much knowledge. And you just, I, I wish I could take every class that, that is offered here because I would learn so much from everybody. So that's what you have to keep in mind with just how much you can learn from somebody like Aline who knows everything about getting your work out there and and about maybe going somewhere to get ready for a portfolio review so she mm-hmm. can guide you. So we've got classes like that taught by her and other people who guide you in your um, your mission. Uh, we have a lot of uh, our, our two biggest programs are our fine art program, and Aline is much to be credited for that program over the years because she's been with us for so many years. And our street photography program. So those two, but we also have so many other uh, opportunities in which to learn things from fashion photography to still life, you know, tabletop photography, anything somebody might want to know. We've even had underwater photography and you name it, we've, we've probably yeah. had it. And that's the beauty of this place is not only the classes, the amazing classes that you can take. By these uh, outstanding teachers, but just the breadth of the knowledge that these teachers have that they can share with you. The people that take our one year program, they're the ones who get the most out of everything because they're here Mm -hmm. for one solid year and basically for a low amount of money, you can take about any class you want and so if you if you decide to take the year off from a job or something then you really have a lot of time to take advantage of that program a lot of people actually have full-time jobs and they go ahead and do both but it's a wonderful program and it's really inexpensive and it's a great way to dive in and what happens by being in that program is you get to meet almost every teacher that comes through here you know because you're here so much so so that's a wonderful program as well.
0: So have you been have you managed to translate that to a virtually so for people who aren't in the Los Angeles area to be able to take advantage of it and what does it look like
1: Well yes we're actually working on that right now because an online program it, it basically they could just go ahead and do what the ones that come here do they they take all those classes are offered online too well actually i should say they won't be if we're back in session and they they will be if we aren't back in session but we also mm-hmm. have a lot of classes that are just online so okay. if we do a, a a program like that we have to have more online classes so that they'd be able to do it so it's it's still got some work to do but it's absolutely something we would love to do it to offer is a like a one-year program for people that live in a different country it would be great
0: so uh, you, you mentioned that you've had a bunch of great teachers uh tell us about some of the people you've had and some of the people to expect in the in the fall and the winter
1: sure well gosh I mean you know some of our most popular uh people who have come back year after year that uh his class fills up every time is our friend our mutual friend Sam Abel uh and he'll be coming back again I always tell people to sign up in June for his February workshop (laughs) because it fills up so fast and so you you know he's a former National Geographic photographer and just just adored by everybody a fabulous photographer Uh, people and of course you, you know Mary you knew Mary and Marka, uh, Ibaria next, but um, uh, you know unfortunately she's not with us any longer but she was here twice uh, teaching workshops and we were very honored to have her I mean we've had f- really famous people like her and like Ralph Gibson and you know Douglas Kirkland and and you know, we've had just a host of like really big name people and then we've had people that live in Los Angeles who have a very successful careers um, who are also well known in their field, and then we've had those, you know, uh, folks like that as well. I remember 20 years ago, or I should say, maybe in the beginning, it was just me teaching. So, which is why we called it the Julia Dean Photo Workshops. But then, in time, maybe in a couple of years, when I started inviting other teachers, I remember thinking, I can't wait until the day teachers call us and want to teach here mm. right because it was always me calling people would you come teach for me would you come you know yeah. and, uh, and and so it's really nice because now that's that's of course what happens is people call us and they I mean we call on people too but um now we're happy when people call us and and, and want to send us their resume and and talk to us about teaching assuming they have teaching experience because that's what we require
0: and you have a, a membership there. The people oh concern. yes, why don't membership is how that works. Yes.
1: Our membership is so very important to us. I think we must have about eight hundred members at this moment. I should ask Brandon because he knows. But members get it's the, 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 the least expensive membership is ninety-five dollars a year. And within about a month you get ninety five dollars worth of like things you know that we offer at LACP. We we really try to treat our members with just like just like royalty, and we, we try to do everything for them. Once a month, somebody gets their work on our website for an entire month. Uh, we have a member show. We have everybody gets these th- – all these webinars are, I think, free for the members and, you know, 25 bucks for non-members. And I, I, so it, 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 we list all the uh, the great uh, um, opportunities for people to be members in, on our website uh, but we really we really ask our friends to become members because that's what we need to keep this place going to keep, to keep supporting us we need members and we need people and community so you know most people who come through here who take more than one class end up being a member just because they want to help us and they love the place and they want to show support so we really count on our members
0: so where do people go to find out more about all of this?
1: Well, our website is lacphoto.org. That will bring you up to our homepage, and you, you can look at any instructor by name. You can look at all our classes. You'll have all, see all these drop-down menus. You can add yourself to our subscribe so that you get our newsletter each week. You can donate. There's a donate button right on the pe- uh, front page if you'd like. Uh, So that's, that's the place to go get, see what's going on. But honestly, if you just go subscribe, then you'll just get our newsletters every week and then you'll definitely know what's going on here.
0: And my last question that I ask each guest is I ask them to recommend a photographer for our listeners to explore on their own. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that photographer be and why?
1: I'd like to talk about my friend, Joel Sartori. Okay. There's so many people I could brag about that I love so much, but Joel, I had the pleasure of meeting in 1982 when he walked into my photojournalism class at the University of Nebraska. He was 19 years old and I was 27, and we've been friends ever since. He was so good from day one that you you just knew that he was going to be a superstar. He graduated, got great jobs at newspapers, ended up working for National Geographic for many, many years, and now he's doing something so significant that I liken it to Edward Curtis's project on the Native Americans, because mm-hmm. Edward Curtis, he spent 30 years and it wasn't easy what he did. And, and he practically lost everything, his family and everything. But that project that he photographed these Native Americans, we, we wouldn't even know what any of these people look like if it weren't for Edward Curtis and we wouldn't know about their lives like we know. And what Joel's doing is Joel is photographing every living species that is in captivity in the world. Mm -hmm. Now he's gotten so much attention for it of recent that he doesn't have to do all the calling like he used to zoos are calling him going come i've got this for you and but it's a lot of work and 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 he's he says it's going to take him 30 years too and it's and he's been at it i think about 15 now he's been on like 60 minutes, three times. He's, he's funny as can be. Um, he's, he's been at the Annenberg, at the Broad so many times. He's just, he's such a good speaker and he, and he has such a message that he's trying to get across while he's funny and while his photographs are to die for. And he was really talking about, you know, the world and the state of the world and 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 a lot of these these species that he's photographed have already gone extinct just in the 15 years that he's been yeah. uh, doing the project so the name of his project his name is Joel Sartori probably everybody that's listening knows about him already but his project is called the photo arc. the photo arc. and it's just definitely worth worth
0: knowing about oh yeah and for people who haven't heard my interview with him i think i did it about 4 or 5 years ago um, oh, so you can uh, yeah I that's a wonderful recommendation and Julia it's always a pleasure to see you but I'm glad thank we you had so much thanks so
1: Chuck. much I love seeing you
0: thanks to Julia for joining us find out more about her and her work by visiting JuliaDean.com and visit LACphoto.org to find out more about what the Los Angeles Center of Photography has to offer you. In July, I'll be offering two separate online courses. The first is through LACP and is called Creating Personal Breakthroughs. This course is designed to help you transition from just making individual photographs and transition into creating bodies of work that can be shared in an exhibition, book or portfolio. I will teach you how to reconsider who you are as a photographer and how to express that by identifying your strengths. My other course through Nobechi Creative is Use Your Life to Jumpstart Your Photography. In this class, I'll teach you how to use your everyday life as the source of endless creativity. You'll learn how to see and photograph the ordinary and mundane with new eyes and transform that vision into great photography, even if you'd never leave the comfort of your own home. Find out more about both courses in the show notes or by visiting the website at thecandidframe.com. If you're a devoted listener and subscribe to the show, write us a review on whatever service you listen to podcasts. Those reviews have allowed us to grow. Thanks to True Liberty for its five-star review and for your comments about the previous episode. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and our mailing list. On the YouTube channel, I offer critiques on images submitted by TCF listeners like you, while the mailing list keeps you updated with all TCF events, including workshops and more sign up today and remember you can support the show by contributing to our patreon effort or make a one-time or reoccurring donation via paypal thanks to jeffrey nissler david Burgler, camilla mendez eric gorlitzer and susan sanders for their recent contributions we also provide a series of ebooks on photography available for purchase on our website it's my way of sharing my experience and knowledge and another way for you to support the show and if you can't find every episode of the show, download the Candid Frame app, which is available for both Apple iOS and Android. And because of your generosity, it's free to download and use. No additional purchases are required. The Candid Frame's audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. The show's senior producer is Cynthia Parker. And our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty, free music, can be found at incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.